Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about IVF, infertility, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we're both card carrying members of the Infertility Club. what's happening right now we're recording from the past <laughs> gabby is here but she isn't here it's like schrodinger's cat <laughs> um gabby's jetting off around the world yeah i'm um i mean i've been talking about this trip to new york for long enough yeah um but yes i am as we speak currently in new york um so we are recording a week ago yes we are get your mind around that because you're sipping cocktails i am probably not actually non-alcoholic cocktails maybe, uh, maybe. yeah whatever <laughs> i believe that when i see I'll it i'll have a few glasses of wine i'm yeah. sure um yeah so uh so here we are from the past yes here we are and we were thinking so um the thriver event happened last week yes it did but of course it hasn't happened for us yet so we're just going to insert a little clip here Bring. So it's now a few days after the Thriver event. Um, and I, to be honest, I'm still getting over it. It was just an incredible night of women supporting women. We learnt a huge amount about female hormones. Um, you know what I found out is that actually the stuff I've been through with IVF is really similar to the stuff that my mum has gone through with the menopause. I mean, we we met Meg Matthews, who is an absolute legend, and she talked so compellingly about the menopause and what women go through at that point in their lives. And to be honest, I'd never even thought about it. I barely even thought beyond getting pregnant. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, just a, just a brilliant night. And um, I think Gabby and I were both on such a massive high afterwards as well. I couldn't sleep. So that was great. And um, there's loads of... There's a little video and loads of pictures on our Instagram, so take a look there. Anyway, back to the show. Bring. That was some beautiful bringing, Emma. <laughs> I don't think I could get that beautiful sound to come out of my mouth. Uh, um, it's yeah. one of my many talents. You really are. One of my many talents and my few marketable skills. <laughs> Voiceover artist work <laughs> yeah. coming your way immediately. Um, so, yeah. Um I'd also like to take an opportunity to apologise to our friend Ali, who I called Ali, TTC Ali the second in this piece. And her name is Ali TTC the second on Instagram. 
Got the old TTCs along around. How dare you? I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure she'll be upset. Well, she's a good friend of the show, so I don't want to piss her off. No. Sorry, Ali. For <laughs> Gabby's transgression. <laughs> no. A horrible sin. Um, and yeah, this week we had... Oh, Katie. Katie. Katie Linderman. Another friend of the show. Another friend of the show who also um, watched, like, author, professional fertility fast blogger, uh... Just all round rock of sense and yes. salmon of knowledge. And person who knows so frigging much. So much. Like more than almost, more than any doctor I've ever met. Definitely. About infertility and IVF. She's very knowledgeable. And who has a very difficult story of her own. She does. I mean, she's very knowledgeable because she's been through the mill. Yeah. So, you know, she's got a lot of experience mm-hmm. and it was about time that we got her on really to talk about it. Absolutely. So we had a lovely chat and a lot of laughs. And also the chat went on for a really long time. Yes. Because I just feel like we talk too much sometimes. We do. And she brought some um, some lovely drinks around. Yeah, she did. Non-alcoholic boozy wine. Yeah, which was delicious. Yeah. Um, it lubricated the conversation. It did, it did absolutely. Kept the wheels going nice and oiled, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and we recorded that in the middle of February. Mm-hmm, we did, yep. Um, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then you spoke to Professor Tim. I did. I spoke to Professor Tim Child, Medical Director at Oxford Fertility, about HCG levels. Yes. Doubling. Then, now, well, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but um, it's, it is technically a pregnancy thing. Yeah. But my justification for that question is that it's a pregnancy thing that only people who've been through infertility... Cool. even think about or who are doing IVF right? yeah exactly yeah so um so yeah that's that's the deal I think that's fair yeah I think that slips in <laughs> for sure yeah um and then yeah that's it really isn't it yeah so that just leaves us to ask you nay beg you to rate and review the podcast yes, wherever please. you get your podcast but especially yes, on apple podcasts indeed um and then you can follow us on Instagram at Big Fat Negative. On Twitter at Big Fat Negative. On Facebook a Big Fat Negative. <laughs> on email Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. You can't follow us on there, but you can email us. No, you can follow us on there if you like, but I don't know how. Um, yeah, and and please enjoy the podcast. Yep. Gab's mate, how are you? All right. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, fine. You're in the weird limbo period, aren't you? Yeah. The post-egg collection, pre-transfer period where it feels like you, you've got to get your shit together, but you can't really be asked. That's exactly it, Emma. You've seen to... You've, I, I don't need to say any more, really. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm prepared now. You know, uh, you heard me last week talking about getting the drugs. Those are now neatly stacked on my shelf, ready for action. And I'm just not going to be using them for, like, a month. Like, it's going to be ages before I get to do anything, so it's a bit annoying. Are you tempted to practice a bit? You know. Just, like, shove a quick pessary up there and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I don't think so. I'll wait till I need to. A practice pessary. I'll wait till I absolutely need to. Um, I did see... Uh, TTC Ali the second put a story up saying that Lubion is actually quite a sore injection, so now I'm a bit scared. It's the progesterone one. Ali, what is your problem? No, but she's you know got to be forewarned, right? She's honest. You've got to know these things are happening. But can't you use your ice trick? 
Well, I'll always use the ice trick, but... Should we we remind listeners what the ice trick is? Yeah. So before you do the injection, you rub a little ice cube on your fatty flesh that you've grabbed (laughs) and uh, it numbs the area. And my husband has a theory that it also stops you from bleeding, but I don't know if that's true. Mm. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to have to work out how to... I'm going to have to inject myself next time, I think, because... There's, there's a lot more drugs going on, so I don't think he's going to be there all the time. There's something mildly satisfying about doing it yourself. Yeah, I think it's just the first one. I'm a bit like, ooh. The idea of sticking a needle into your tender flesh is weird. Mm. But then I guess you just fucking do it, right? You just close your eyes and stab. Yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, so that's... I mean, I mean, yeah, we can spend the next month talking about that because it's not going to happen for fucking ages um but in other news i i had a family reunion at the weekend which was nice that is nice yeah got to drive all the way up to liverpool and all the way back the next day which took a grand total of i'm gonna say 12 hours cool that's really annoying um but so my family uh like a kitchen disco and they it was it was jovial and there was lots of booze i like there was more booze than i've ever seen and i was very well behaved comparatively so like whilst everyone else was knocking it back i was also having a glass of water every once in a while okay. and definitely drinking very slowly to make my drinks last longer but all in all i did consume probably more alcohol than i would have liked yeah, but sometimes you just have to give in, don't you? I know, I know. I, I mean, I, you know, I was relatively well behaved, but no, not really. And so um, I decided on Sunday morning, as I'm sure most people do, uh, that I'm never drinking again. <laughs> but also that actually, and in the cold light of day today, I was like, yeah, I think that's it now. I'm not going to drink until until New York. I'm going to have a few drinks in New York, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, so that's me back on the wagon. On the wagon. For the FET. So do you, I mean, how do you approach being on the wagon? Because with me, it's just about not really seeing anybody or going out. Well. Or socialising in any way. Yeah, I approach it. Sorry, me and my husband approach it by going to the cinema a lot. Okay. That's one of our techniques, which mm-hmm. is good. But I do go to the pub. Like, I, I, you know, I'll consume a few non-alcoholic beers or, you know, I'll take a bottle of non-alcoholic wine to my friend's house for dinner. Okay. I did that on Thursday. It, to, it was our friend Collar, who's a wine breaker. Oh, my God. And he... And he's, he's always got the nicest wine in the yeah. whole world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I pushed it. He wasn't feeling very well, so I was like, hey, you're sick. Why don't you have a glass of this non-alcoholic red? Did, and he, he, did he make a bomb face? Uh, you know what? He didn't. He didn't think it was that bad. Okay. I mean, it's not red wine, but it's it's kind of tastes a little bit reminiscent. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'll be doing that a lot over the next... However long, hopefully, hopefully 10 months, 11 months. What are we hoping for here? Uh, I, I think, you, isn't that like breastfeeding as well? Like, yeah, isn't okay. it the rest of your life, essentially? <laughs> hopefully for the next 10 years, <laughs> I won't be drinking. So, yeah, so that was it. And that's that feels quite good, I guess. Um, what else? I've started having a um, hot water with lemon to start the day. Okay. And what does that, is that... Like, does that come as a recommendation from someone? I think Melanie Brown. Okay. Yeah. We should get Melanie Brown on here. We should, we should. She's a nutritionist. Apparently it's just a good way to 
wake up your body as opposed to shoving down decaf flat whites, which is what I've been doing. I figure that can't be good. I just drink a latte. Yeah. A small latte. I did have a, a full calf flat white on the drive back from Liverpool, but that was a tactical move that we we might have all died in a car crash if I didn't do that. I just think, you, like, at the moment, I'm on shifts where I have to be at work at six o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to not have coffee. I think it's fine. You're allowed to have one yeah. during pregnancy. According to the NHS. Yeah, exactly. The NHS knows better than anyone. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened at my family reunion was that a load of people came up to me and told me that our baby was going to be really cool. I mean, it's going to be really cool. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. I was like, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And hopefully not too expensive. <laughs> it's going to be expensive. Yeah. I'm finding this out at the moment. Yeah. Um, I meant in the conception of it, okay. expensive-wise. Uh, yeah, I was hopefully not. To, yeah. Hopefully it'll be very cheap. Yeah. Hopefully one of those free embryos <laughs> that are waiting for me in the freezer will work. Yeah. If not, never mind. Mm. Does it... The more expensive you are to make, does that make you cooler? No. No. Okay. I think that uh, it doesn't matter how expensive you were. Right. You'll always be cool. I think the more shit your mum went through to make you, that makes you cooler. Shit, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, and then tomorrow I've got my breast clinic appointment. Oh, God. I'd forgotten about this. Yeah. Does that make me a bad friend? You forgot that I maybe had cancer. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> you and the C word. <laughs> Um, to be fair, it's been going down, okay. I think. Uh, like, so I think it's gone down. Then my husband had a, a cop to feel as well. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely gone down. Because he, and he didn't reveal this at the time when he first t- felt it up. But this time he was like, because it was really big. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, so he's like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely much smaller. So here's hoping it's just one of those cysts that people seem to think it is when yeah. it goes up and down like that. Nothing like hoping for a cyst, is there? Yeah, it's great. Mm. Brilliant stuff. So, yeah, so um, unfortunately no news on that, but I'll obviously have news on that next week. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough about me. Emma, what's going on with you? Well, um, not a huge amount, actually, which is kind of nice. That is nice. Because I've just been, A, not very anxious, like quite chilled. Um, I've Excellent. Dis- <laughs> I've discovered um, Olympic standard napping. I'm like so good at napping these days. Where do you do napping? I do napping in the car, on trains, um, in my bed a lot. So let's say you're at home and you feel a nap coming on. Are you evacuating yourself from the couch to the bed or are you just going to do a sneaky little close the eyes on the couch? Because I love those ones. Well, Gabriella. Um, in our new house in, in Margate, which we're still renovating, mm-hmm. we have one room that's relatively, like, you can go into without getting lung disease from the dust. That's good. Yeah. Um, and that's the living room. So the other day we were down there and we'd spent the whole day painting our bedroom black, gothy black. You painted your room black? Yeah. Are you 15? It looks so great. <laughs> um... And then we went into the living room, we lit a fire in our new wood-burning stove, Mm. and I sat on the one vaguely comfy chair we have, which is like a kind of armchair, like wooden kind of mid-century armchair thing. Nice. And I just fell asleep, like a dad. Like, only dads fall asleep in armchairs. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just nodded off by the fire. 
John thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. That sounds dreamy. It was, I mean, it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> God, it was such a sore neck. <laughs> but yeah, I'm loving napping. Um, got a bit on my high horse this week. Oh, yeah. Because um, I've had like a lot of communication with work about my pregnancy. Mm. So, um, firstly, I had a personalised evacuation strategy because I'm a pregnant lady and therefore vulnerable and therefore if there's a fire I need to be able to get out um, I had to nominate two colleagues as basically my personal bodyguards in the event of a fire who have to elbow everyone out the way um, I don't I just find it ridiculous that I deserve that like I hate this fact that we escalate pregnant women above everyone else. It pisses me off. Secondly, they're all, oh, take as much time off as you need to go to appointments. Um, If you need to go home and you're feeling really tired, take time off. Guys, I could have done with that, like, a few months ago when I was going through the trauma of IVF. Right now I'm fine. Mm. Um, And when you were going through the trauma of IVF, they made you take everything as holiday, right? Yeah, absolutely everything. Um, except like scans, but that's only because the clinic was 15 minutes walk away. So I could go there, do my thing and come back. And finally, um, I had a conversation with the HR woman this week and like, I think it's going to be difficult because my start time at work is really early and my husband works in an industry where he will have to start, he basically starts early a lot and he never knows when the days he's working or not. But, um... I was like, yeah, so I think working hours are going to be difficult. And she was like, well, it's kind of, um, it's understood at this company that people who have kids can work an hour less than everyone else. And I was like, what the fucking fuck are you on about? So basically, if you if you have kids, you get a special evacuation strategy because you're such a precious person and you get to work an hour less than everyone else. Like, why... Why is the world like this? Why are people who have kids so much more special than everyone else? Mm. It, I mean, I, oh, it just irritates the hell out of me. I had this feeling all the way through IVF, right? And all the way through my infertility that if I was in a movie, if I was a character in a movie, I would have to sacrifice my life in favour of a mum. Because that's what happens in movies. Like if there's somebody who's got a kid and somebody who doesn't have a kid and one of them has to sacrifice themselves, Mrs Childless is going... And I just feel like the whole of society treats people like that and it pisses me off. I had never really thought about this. It really annoys me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm cross. Yeah, I can see that. She she is visibly cross. I had a rant at um, the, the HR woman. She was like, I don't decide that. Yeah, it's, it is fucked up. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was annoying. And then the last thing that happened this week was I got my... Um, does your kid have Down syndrome results? Now, I got my embryos. I mean, we did PGD for it because it's a, a thing that my husband's translocation means that my our kid could get. Does that make any sense? Okay. Um, and got a letter back saying it's got one in 10,000 chance of having Down syndrome, which is a very low chance. I mean, come on, it's like a 0.01% chance. Yeah. Um. But it's still, like, more than other people. Like, some people get a, like, one in, like, a million chance. What is it based on? 
I don't know. So they take, I think they take into account your age. So on the letter, I've got it here. <laughs> um, just rustling the paper. So it says here, age-related risk at term, one in 585. So that's like the standard chance for people your age. Okay. And then individual risk at term is less than one in 10,000. So it's low risk. And, you know, that's cool. Like, I'm going to say, kid mm. doesn't have Down syndrome. Mm. Yeah. But... um Annoy- it annoys me that we got the embryos tested and now I've had this like extra test and they still, it's still like, a, I mean, it's a low risk, but it's still like, is that the, it, how do you know that that's not the lowest risk that they will tell you? Because I Googled it. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Google. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's just quite. But look, all in all, mate. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be very unlucky if this kid has Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a kid that wanted to get born, and I will respect it for that. Yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. fair enough. Mm -hmm. Well, well done. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, mate. (laughs) What was the test? Now, what did they do for the test, though? Firstly, they measure the back of its neck. There's fluid in the back of its neck. I don't know why that tells you more, but Mm. it does. Um, And then they do three blood tests, and they're actually testing for Down syndrome... Edwards and Patau syndrome. I, I don't know what those are. Never heard of that. I, no, nor have I. Edwards and Patau's. So Edwards and Patau's are two separate syndromes. Yeah. Um, Who is Edward? Who's Patau? Who's down? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, mate. I can't answer any of these a questions. Syndrome named after you. Yeah. It's not nice, is it? No, it's. It's not. like in Deep Impact when the kid has the meteor that's going to kill everyone <laughs> named after him. It's mean. Oh my God, that is a blast from the past. <laughs> I watched it the other night. <laughs> Random. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. Right? It's exactly like that. Uh, all right. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Katie. Hi. Hey. Thanks for coming. Welcome. Feels Hi, like Emma. This is... Hi, Gabby. Hey. Hi. Feels like this is like really long overdue. Oh, it's yeah. great great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. And you brought some drinks. Well, yeah. you know, I what figured a, you we couldn't turn up empty-handed. Yeah. What a guest. What a guest. Absolutely. If anyone else wants to bring us drinks, or just send us drinks in the post, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. um, so, obviously, we're going to start by asking you about your journey. All right, strap in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, mine has been, yeah, the strangest journey. I've had doctors on both sides of the Atlantic say, I'm, I'm stumped, I'm not usually stumped. Wow. Um, a professor who, uh, um, the Tommy's National Miscarriage Research Centre, uh, of all places, Coventry, who's, you know, written eminent papers and lots of research. He said, you are by far the, the weirdest case I have ever seen. What a compliment. Yeah, and people come from all over the country and the world to see him. So okay. um, I'll try and sort of do the kind of edited highlights, lowlights. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew I had an issue, but it turns out the issue wasn't the thing we thought it was. Okay. So when I was, I always thought when I was younger, I thought maybe, maybe I've got a potential issue because I knew I'd never really had proper periods. So... Mm-hmm. I'd went and decided to, when I was in my late 20s to come off the pill, go get myself checked out because I'd read about, you know, fertility MOT. So mm. I thought, well, at least if I know what the issue is, we're not really ready to like start trying, but at least if I know. Yeah. And I remember reading about like egg freezing, didn't really know what was involved, but thought maybe I'll freeze my eggs. Um, anyway, we discovered after being misdiagnosed by the NHS and going round and round um, that I had polycystic PCOS. Um, so we knew that there was, as far as we knew, I had loads of eggs. Uh, the problem was the merchandise was good, but the warehouse didn't ship. So <laughs> we knew that I would need, or we expected to need some kind of treatment. Mm. So actually I went and found a gynecologist before we even started trying because obviously the NHS won't see you until you've been trying for a year, but I knew I didn't ovulate. Mm. So there seemed, you know, if you're not even in the race. So, um, and also I'd been diagnosed with epilepsy. So I wanted to see a specialist to go, what does this mean in terms of um, how you manage that in terms of preconception counselling, I think they call it. It's good to be organised. Yeah, you know, I like, I like, I like to be a ship shape. She's a planner. Proactive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when started trying, kind of went up and tended, the plan was to start with, you know, to go to the doctor, we'd start with Clomid um, and take it from there. Um, what we didn't expect to see was that all my eggs appeared to have gone. I'd gone from having shitloads of follicles, which is, you know, PCOS is very high ovarian reserve, mm. loads and loads of follicles, mm-hmm. to having a semi-perimenopausal level of follicles. And this was at the age of 33. And it was like, what? Like, that's not supposed to happen. Weird. Yeah, completely weird. It was like, this must be some mistake. Like, maybe, oh, you've come off the pill. And what was the time difference between... Five five years. So between the ages of 28 and 33, I'd gone from, you know, 42 follicles and really good AMH to uh, five. And AMH undetectable, or nearly undetectable. 
And so we thought, well, maybe it's a lab error. No, three different months, two different labs. Oh, gosh. Atrocious. So we ended up going to IVF really quickly because mm. essentially it looked like my ovarian reserve, if it had gone that quickly. Yeah. Um, and actually, weirdly, uh, in the couple of Clomid cycles we did until you know we started IVF within like four months my lining had been super thin anyway which funny enough was to be a foreboding of what went on so we were doing IVF incredibly quickly yeah but because essentially it looked like you know what in a year's time we might I might not have any eggs left yeah um and so when we did our first round I responded like someone that had I responded better than expected but it like somebody that had mm crap crap ovarian reserve and we got some eggs but they were shit um and all the embryos fell over and saying about your podcast where you were looking at um the drop off between day three and day five so i had some good goers at day three and nothing made it to day five so we didn't have anything to transfer um and then the second cycle that was when it got weird because again we treated me as though i was somebody that had you know diminished reserve and I got 17 eggs, which is not supposed to happen no. with someone with like nearly undetectable AMH. And em- loads. Yeah, and the embryologists were like, are you sure that's not a lab error? Um, and we got some good embryos from that, or what we thought was good embryos, and I got pregnant. Um, it was nearly a touch and go as to whether I'd have a transfer, because again, my lining was crap. Um, but I got pregnant, um, which was amazing and completely unexpected. I was mm. not, uh, I was not expecting... You know, I was going into this, seeing this mm-hmm. as a, right, well, we'll go through. And I was already mentally planning, okay, well, when can we try the next one? And mm. and things went really well, um, you know, and we saw a heartbeat twice. And then at 10 weeks, we went for another scan and the baby had died. So I had surgery that day. Um, I was just like, get out. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up needing another surgery um, six weeks later because I had some retained products. But I'm, I know in a previous episode when you spoke to Claire about Ashermans, yeah. mm. the good thing was was that I was with my doctor. Um, this was something I didn't know, that um, Bupa uh, don't cover pregnancy. They don't cover anything to do with fertility, but mm. they do cover miscarriages. Yeah, my okay. insurance covers that. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that until... I needed to. Yeah. So what that meant was I was able to get my ERPC done privately. Yeah. So I was able to get in the same day. My doctor moved stuff around. So it meant not only was able to get in quicker, but I was able to be with my doctor who knew me and knew that I had iffy lining. So he was super duper gentle, which was one of the reasons why I probably did need a hysteroscopy six weeks later because he was so gentle. He said, you know, I didn't want to scrape the bowl as it were. Yeah. Because an ERPC is done blind essentially it's done via ultrasound they kind of go in and suck out the contents essentially um but the next surgery was done with a hysteroscopy which is where they go in with a camera Mm, so again i was it was all done really carefully and as far as i'd been concerned during that time i was like okay i want to get going again oh yeah and the other thing that was good about having it done privately was that we were able to pay to have the fetal tissue tested um in the NHS, they will do that after you've had three miscarriages. Oh, right. But what that does is it looks at, it do, looks at the genetic testing of the embryo, the fetus rather, to see was, there, was that a chromosomally normal fetus? Mm. Was the miscarriage due to chromosomal abnormalities, which is what you know m- the majority of miscarriages are thought to be, or was the problem with me? Um, and the 
the baby was healthy um, and the problem was me. So we had four blasts on ice, but I was like, I'm not, I don't want to play Russian roulette because no. if the problem was me and I was seemed to be making embryos and seemed to have eggs, I was like, let's just leave them on the subs bench and let's go for another round and try and make some and do genetic testing. Mm. So do the pre PGS. So slightly different genetic screening than you had emma because obviously you had pgd yeah which is testing for one thing yeah one thing only so the way i always remember it is and they've actually changed the names now like pgta and pgts but essentially pgd think d diagnosis disease that's looking at a single gene right um but it doesn't look at the pgs is chromosomes and what that does is that counts the chromosomes because essentially it looks at, does it have the right number of chromosomes? They call it an aneuploidy. Mm. Is it an embryo that has the potential to make a baby um, or not? So when you do PGD, you know whether the embryo is free of the disease or not, but you don't know whether the embryo is chromosomally normal. Mm-hmm. Have, does it have the right number yeah. of chromosomes? I'm hoping this one does. Well, it does because you've got you've got you've got this far. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a, a good goer. And they, they do screening in the US a lot more than we do. Yeah, Am they I do. Right in that? Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, I think it's it's more widely and and the difference as well is in the US. Um, you over here it's exactly the same technology over here it's illegal to know the sex Mm. of the embryo the only way you're allowed to know is for certain for pgd for certain sex linked diseases that are carried on the x or the y chromosome um but so i think some people do it over there because you are allowed to know the sex Mm. um and actually not only you're not allowed to know the sex you uh, can choose the sex so ethically it's really it sits with me very uncomfortably. Questionable. But, yeah, but interestingly, so for example, Cyprus and Dubai, so the celebrity Danielle Lloyd. Oh God, yeah. yeah. I love that story. Oh she just wants a girl, so she's going to go through all the fucking awfulness of IVF. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, oh right, just, you know, I just want the different flavour of it. It's like, oh, just give oh, me fucking God. anything. I just want a baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just start to show. If it has no arms or legs, I'm fine. Yeah, it's okay. Um, the weird thing was, well, many weird things was that. So I didn't think I was going to be able to cycle again so quickly because uh-huh. you know, oh, three months. Mm. So after the surgery, after the miscarriage, I was like, you know, for the first two cycles, I'd been super duper healthy. Yeah. I'd you know done all the green juices and tracked all my protein and had you know supplements coming out my ears and you know lived <laughs> you know it was proper. You know, I followed all the book and did everything, and the embryos were crap. Um, I ended up essentially living on chocolate and vodka and wine and you know <laughs> ate nothing of any nutritional value. I took my folic acid and my you know, basic multivitamin, but I didn't take any of the mega supplements. Yeah. What I didn't know is that I was going to be able to, you know, I would have gone straight away. Uh-huh. I didn't know I was going to be able to cycle again so quickly. So when I went for my two-week checkup post opera, post the operation, which was eight weeks after we'd lost the baby, mm. I wasn't expecting to be told, well, you can get going if you want to. Because I was like, okay, so when can we get going? He's like, well, actually, you can go today. The weird thing was, was that, Essentially, all my eggs had come back. What? Yeah. Um, have you got any idea what happened? No, we have no idea. No doctor anywhere has any idea. They just went away and came back again. Yeah. And that's and it's not like 
it was a dodgy scan because I had two egg collections. Yeah, they would have come forth had you... you Yeah, and I'd had the bloods done, you know, umpteen times. No, we wonder, was it anything to do with my epilepsy medication? We don't know. Mm. We have absolutely no idea. No one has any clue. Doctors don't believe me. And then it, it, it is quite literally a mystery. That is mental. Yeah. Carry on. So, yeah. So, so your eggs are back. So, my eggs were back. And so, when I said, you know, when can we go? Um, and Colin, my doctor, was like, well, to be honest, everything's looking peachy, you know. And, mm. and so, but the difference was, whereas I'd had the kind of sledgehammer dose of stims, um, this time, because I had, you know, we stopped counting at 20 odd or whatever, um, he, we had to give me a tiny dose of stims because of the risk of OHSS. Yeah. And oh, actually, he started me on the cetratide, which is like what you had, the Fremadel, yeah. the same day because he didn't want me going off like rockets. Um, what a turnaround. It was what a so, turnaround. I, well, sorry, should we say head fuck? Yeah, yeah no, it was a total head fuck. Um, and again, so my, my vodka embryo story was that actually for this, this round, and again, doesn't, I'm not suggesting that vodka and, and chocolate is uh, is the yes, key to vodka on her phone. On yeah, table. is the key. <laughs> but I think that, that is that it doesn't necessarily make the difference. What essentially made the difference when I asked because that was it. So I said to Colin, I said, look, should we delay? Because I didn't sort of say that I'd gone out and got completely shitted four days earlier for a friend's fortieth, and was one of those ones where you bowl in at three a.m. and you sort of pinball off the sides of the <laughs> nice. the corridor because yeah. you can't, you know, you're staggering in. Um, I said, well, my lifestyle hasn't exactly been um, uh, optimal. <laughs> Should we delay? Um, he said, look, it's, it's entirely up to you. He said, honestly, what quality is going to come down to is two things. One, your age. Can't do anything about that. I was mm-hmm. 34 at that time. Or, and the ovarian environment created by the stims. So again, it's the hormonal response yeah. and it's, mm. the, it's all of that. And... So we got fantastic embryos. So I'd gone from having... So that was it. So we also, we defrosted the Frosties from the second round. We had four Frosties. Mm -hmm. And statistically, we should have had at least one good one in there. Mm, Okay. All were abnormal. Right. So if we'd have gone ahead... And and I know with PGS, there's a kind of debate over, are they... Is it accurate? Do embryos self-correct? So one that can say it's a bad one. There's different... Yeah. theories and arguments but even if you take the idea that maybe one of those four might have self-corrected and yeah. might have been okay that's still three others maybe four that never would have had a chance to make a baby yeah. and so even though on the hfea when they've done the traffic light they say pgs does not increase the likelihood no but it's a selection tool if you have lots of embryos and for me it was around going but that saved the heartache of doing three four cycles that never would have had a chance of becoming a baby Mm -hmm. and whereas with with that third round we got 28 eggs nine blasts and six of them were normal so it was much much better so we got some good embryos from that and then that's when all the problems so we knew that the issue had been that we nearly didn't have a transfer because my lining was crap um, but we managed to get it over the line to do a yeah. transfer. But, but we thought, well, if it's not me, maybe the miscarriage has been to do with my lining because I'd never really had proper bleeds. It sort of, it yeah. didn't, okay. it wasn't right. Um, so we said, right, well, we're not going to do a, a felt, we're not going to do a frozen transfer till we've got you 
to bleed because that was the weird thing. I'd had loads of, I'd had a, this amazing juicy lining when we'd done the freeze all, mm. but I didn't get a bleed. I was like, like all I got, sorry, TMI, I just got this like There's black no TMI gunk. TMI on this show. <laughs> yeah, I just got this black gunk. And okay. it's really upsetting because we also knew that like I'd, I'd not bled since the miscarriage. So I yeah. still had bits of like mm. pregnancy blood and there's this you know really kind of visceral sense of you know you think that you know menstruation it's you know it's the it's the cleansing. regeneration it's yeah. cleansing and it's you know yeah. it's and and mine you know in my mind I was thinking of my womb as like this toxic wasteland where you know fetuses yeah. go to die and I just wanted I just needed to have it you know yeah have it that's a horrible it, emotional feeling to carry around with you yeah it was it was awful and it was you know and it's it's really just you know it was black gunk and I was like well where's it gone because essentially I'd gone from 11 millimeters to three millimeters but I hadn't had a bleed I've had the black gunk period before it's awful isn't it? it and you're like what's what's happening to me Am yeah I rotting from inside yeah it's it's grim mm-hmm. um and so I had um you know we tried to get me to so essentially the idea was we're not going to do a transfer cycle until we can get you to have a proper mm-hmm. bleed mm. and we just couldn't get my lining to go so we tried a couple of cycles with with hrt so we did um the estrogen tablets and mm. we did the estrogen tablets and the patches and it just wasn't it just didn't move at all um and what colin said he said look some women just and colin's don't your doctor right? colin's my doctor yeah. He said, look, some women just don't respond to artificial estrogen, but do to their body's natural estrogen. So sometimes that, you know, HRT just doesn't, people just don't respond yeah. to it. You're better off just going a natural. Yeah, your own, and it, you know, and it is a slight, he says, you know, the, the body's natural, you know, are superior to anything you can give because it's, you know, there's slightly different kinds of estrogen. So he said, well, sometimes what I do is I do um, an ovulation induction cycle. So it's taking a very, very, very low of d- stims just to grow a couple of follicles to produce, you know, so it's essentially an assisted natural cycle. Yeah. Um, but and, just And that helps to increase your lining as well. Yeah, because it's essentially you're increasing the estrogen levels to kind mm. of juice it up. Um and so we tried to do that and it was kind of it wasn't good enough to to do a transfer we were just trying to get me to have a period and we did get to have so the plan was it's like right we're going to do another hysteroscopy try and work out what the fuck's going on and I did end up having a bleed so we're like okay let's try but the thing was is that the only way we seemed to be able to get my lining to grow was with kind of IVF level super mega ridiculous estrogen Mm. because the only way my lining had ever grown was during an IVF and even then it was a bit mm. so we ended up doing a stim cycle and collecting the eggs because of the OHSS risk we couldn't just let me go pop um and what we so literally I broke the clinic because they couldn't (laughs) work out what paperwork to do yeah because they're like hang on you're doing a frozen embryo cycle but we're doing an egg collection um what like what do what paperwork do we even even do for this yeah um and they did sort of say sure you don't want us to make some embryos and we're like look the thing is is that (laughs) we'd already at this point we had six normals on Mm. ice and there was a sense of going look we don't want another thing to fail at and the problem isn't embryos if we can't turn one of those into a person yeah you know and we didn't want to pay for more of them yeah and we don't want to you know at that point and so they worked out going all right well we'll we'll build this as a cyst aspiration okay so that way and so essentially as long as they didn't go near an embryologist Uh they could do that because it's all kind of 
rules about you know as soon as anyone's not because i tried to offer them to science i'm like do you want them for science to do some research and nobody wanted them uh because they they do research on embryos yeah um but not on the like we don't really need them for eggs and Mm. i couldn't be an egg donor because a it was you know it wasn't being done as a as a cycle but because i have family history of breast cancer and it all sorts of so i couldn't do that so it literally binned my eggs so you think i'd come from a position of not doing IVF any. for not having any eggs till we were literally chucking them in the bin. Okay. Um, and we did, we threw the kitchen sink at my lining. So we can come on and talk about a bit more about every kind of weirdo experimental treatment that we did. And we did transfer. I got to like nine millimeters and we were like, look, you know, it's probably the best we're going to get. It's looking, yeah. looking okay. So we transferred um, and I did get pregnant, um, but it wasn't really a goer. Uh, we did the HCG, the blood tests, and I'm really, really glad we did because if we hadn't have done that, we would have gone, great, you know, you've got a positive test and yeah, I'd have yeah. come along to my viability scan and it would have been probably a blighted ovum. Mm-hmm. Um, but this way we could see from the bloods that they weren't really doing what we needed to okay. do. Yeah. So essentially at like five and a half weeks, six weeks, we stopped meds um, because we knew it wasn't okay. it wasn't viable. Um, and then I had more surgery, um, and that's when we treated me as if I had Asherman syndrome okay. to try and work on my lining. Essentially, we were trying to just get me to peri- have periods. Mm-hmm. And so every month, so the copper coil, they put a copper coil in, and I know you discussed this briefly um, when you did your Asherman's episode. Yeah. Um, essentially, the copper coil generates like an inflammatory reaction which is why people who are off copper coils often have heavy pe- heavier periods. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it's quite a established way of trying to work on people's lining for Asherman's in that you sort of, you do these cycles with HRT or, you know, you just right. try and do cycles to grow the lining and just kind of keep going to try and, it's kind of like the gym yeah. <laughs> training. Um, and it's every month, like, and again, I didn't respond to HRT. So every month we were stimming me um, because Must I didn't. Been yeah, and like so, like just exhausting. Yeah, it was just. I mean, it got to the thing where like taking the sharps bins was just like taking the bins out, and oh, yeah. and because I now had PCOS, like I was growing like I ovulated thirteen eggs at one point, oh and I was oh, just painful. naturally. Yeah, we. I mean, we triggered yeah. like, but they just went pop and floated off and. Yeah, I don't recommend doing that. That wasn't very no. comfortable. Um, and during this, then I got uh, referred on an ur- a different two-week weight, an urgent two-week weight on the cancer pathway. Ah, the C word. Yeah, It's yeah. cropping up a lot these days. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, and it turned out, so again, this was one of these ones where the, the, the letter said it... It was this particular result, and when we, you know, consulted Dr. Google, it said mm. only forty women a year in London get this smear result, um, and seventy percent of these are malignant. So, like, oh, oh great! God. And we figured that it was pretty unlikely that anything, because mm. it basically said that it wasn't cervical cancer. You know, they weren't suspecting cervical cancer. It was suspected non-cervical, which means ovarian or right. womb. But we were pretty certain it, I'd had a hysteroscopy where I'd had a camera in there, yeah. Yeah. and I'd had you know pathologists had looked at the lining as opposed to a smear, which is a mascara wand around the cervix. Yeah. Yeah. So we were pretty sure, or we you know we felt that it seemed unlikely that there would be any malignancy, 
because, you know, I'd been, my uterus was so well checked out. But at the same time, we were like, well, maybe that's why things don't work. Maybe there is something... Oh, God. ...really wrong. Uh, So that was a fun Christmas. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And it turns out it wasn't. Um, it It was a wonky result because I'd been turning myself into a human chemistry set. I mean, that's um, bound to happen, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I can quite honestly say that the two-week wait for that was a walk in the park compared to the two-week wait for IVF. Yeah. Um, but actually, every month was two-week waits in terms of life was just what happened between dildo camp because I was doing every, yeah. you know, it was, it was mm. like cycling every month in terms of scans, but yeah. I was just just trying to see and then it was a two week wait hoping to get a period yeah and I know you know about this Emma obviously oh when... my god I spend my life well not anymore I spend my life hoping not to bleed these days but yeah. usually it's hoping to bleed exactly it's point. this really perverse thing yeah. that obviously when you're you know when you're in your much younger and you're told that you just need to come within you know a 10 meter radius of a boy and you're getting knocked up and yeah. you know the <laughs> idea of a missed period it's like oh, i'm not pregnant thank god yeah um and then yeah. you start trying and it's oh, i really don't want to get my period and then you start doing ivf or you start doing yeah. things Come and on. you desperately want to get your period <laughs> um, so uh, the result of all this is that you're kind of looking at your options now yeah so we reached the point that essentially my lining was the technical term is it's fucked okay um no one knows why but it just it was getting worse and worse it won't grow it won't shed i went to coventry to see this you know world expert in womb lining mm. and he was like look i don't know what's going on but he said look statistically most people get there with persistence and persistence could be you know 10 11 whatever cycles yeah. and you know, all sorts of different things. He said, so he says, rarely do I clinically say, you guys are a lost cause, you should stop. He said the decision to stop treatment or stop trying is, he says, you know, it's it's for a couple based on, you know, physically, emotionally, mm. financially. He said, but in your case, you are a case all on your own. He said, I'd never seen what happens in your womb in humans. I've only ever seen it in mice. Oh, um, great to know. Yeah, Um and there's no, there's no point you continuing. Um, the only sensible way forward would be if, you know, to use, because we had this point, we still had, you know, we had five normal blasts left, mm. was either surrogacy or adoption or, you know, not being a parent. So we're not sure what, you know, the what's and the why falls next, yeah. but essentially we conclusively reached the end of the road and in that respect, it was kind of easier because there was no decision about whether to stop or whether not to stop. Someone actually told you. Yeah, well, it was we couldn't, you know, nothing yeah. was working. Yeah. Absolutely nothing was working. And, you know, I'd had consultations, Skype consultation with doctors in the States and all the top experts. And they all said, look, there's nothing that we... You've tried everything. There is nothing more to try. Um, so, you know, if you were in here in my in my room in the states there's nothing i would say to you that i can't you've not already tried and was there a part of you that kind of felt a little bit of relief at hearing that yeah i mean that was the thing so when i went to coventry to see you literally sent yourself to coventry. i sent myself to coventry <laughs> um for these wound biopsy tests i said look you know let me be very clear i said i'm not here expecting solutions and you know answers would be nice but i'm not expecting solutions because yeah. the tests that they do for natural killer cells you know it either tells you 
that you should take steroids or not take steroids and that wasn't my issue like I couldn't even get to that point I couldn't get to a transfer so I said you know there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to affect what we do I said I'm here to hear from the top guy in womb lining you know most of the research that's been written about womb lining and in implantation and miscarriage is written by this dude and I was like look I it's I'm here to hear it from you that you know, if we've if we've closed the book to be able to put it back on the shelf, mm-hmm. and that's what he said, as I said, and actually, that was a relief because I said to my husband, you know, and came back and he said, at least we didn't get any surprises because yeah. at that point mm. it was just you know every month we weren't even you know other people are having transfers and you get this really fucked up mentality where I was jealous of people that had had recurrent miscarriage. As in like, you know, oh, I've had three miscarriages in nine months. This is how fucked up it gets. I was jealous of them because I was like, well, at least, and we all know that any sentence starts. Yeah, it was. It was at least you could get pregnant, which obviously is the thing that, you know, having been and had a miscarriage, you want to thump anyone that says that. But in, you know, in my mind, it was going, well, it feels like if you think about like a snakes and ladders board. You're getting further. Yeah, you guys are getting further. So you've got more of a chance of getting to the end. Mm. And I can't even get off the starting blocks. That's how fucked up you get. It's the feeling of not being able to take the next step. Yeah, ever. ever. Just being stuck. Yeah, I was stuck. Um, So doing all the treatment, but, you know, so I was doing so much treatment, but not getting any transfers. And... You're from a similar school uh, as us in terms of turning bad shit into content makes, <laughs> makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that's what you've done. Yeah, yeah. Well, trying to. So, um, as as you guys know, as we all know, you know, kind of Instagram and just the importance of, of, of community and knowing, you know, everything that you're doing with the podcast and knowing that you're not alone. And the, the thing that got me through this time, which actually was a really short period of time, but very, very intense, was, you know, my husband, but also that all of the amazing people that that supported me and that part of this community. And actually this was kind of, I mean, I've been on Instagram for years, but this was before there was kind of an infertility community on Instagram. So this was on forums like Mumsnet and Fertility Friends and lots and lots of infertility Facebook groups. I'm still really impressed that you ventured onto Mumsnet. Mm. Yeah, it's actually really, I mean, it's, you know, it was the, the infertility boards were great. And that's where this kind of thread of Uber Barons Club came from, because because obviously Mumsnet is a parenting website. Um, we jokingly referred to the infertility section as the Baron Ghetto, because that's where the Barons go. Um, and, it, and again, it's the thing of, you know, I think Baron has such historical baggage of, you know, it's it's a mm. term that's, you know, it's a, it's been... A slur. It's got a sen- You know, it's got connotations. You know, it's very patriarchal. It's got connotations yeah. of you know witches and that you're to blame. Well, we were talking about that Giles Corrin tweet the other day. Oh weren't we? God, where he called somebody. What was it? A baron or witch? I think he yeah. called somebody. Yeah, it was. And actually, two there. Baron and witch. Yeah. Yeah, two. And that was the thing. So witches. It was often. What a you, nice man. If you couldn't, if you couldn't, if you were infertile, uh, and also it was assumed that if that as long as the man could get it up. That that was his job, you know. That mm. was he was fertile, so it was obviously obviously the woman. And um, so Baron has been, you know, has been a, a slur and really cutting and derogatory. And so there's, you know, if you think about throughout, you know, taking slurs and if you if you reclaim them, you take the power out of them. So you think, you know, dyke, queer, um, bitch, slut, you know, the N word even. So we were, you know, trying to 
take ownership of of baron and mm. so we kind of had this thread where we were you know the uber barons club but actually that's you know it happens to be what we'd call that thread but really it's all of these communities you're part of a club that no one wants to be a member of but when you get to speak to other members of that club and know that you're not alone and know that you know, all the things that, you know, all the mental stuff that you do, all the mental, you know, the horrible things that you think, the crate, the absurdity of it all. And you think, am I mad? I mean, yeah. yes, I am mad, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are but all mad. We're all mad. We've been you, driven mad. You do, but you think, you know, and because people don't get it and they're always, you know, and, and people think, oh, you're overreacting and, you know, and you think, am I, am I, am I mad? And actually, you realise that we're all mental, you know, to yeah. varying degrees. But that <laughs> all of the weird shit that you think and all of that yeah. shameful stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's only it's, when you get to speak to other people, you're like, oh, you get it. You're definitely not the only one that's thought that. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're you're turning it into a book. Or trying to, yeah. So the thing is, is that these are great, but you have to go looking on forums and so on, or even, you know, on Instagram, it's, you know, you you have to go looking or you have to really kind of get involved. And also it's very much around finding your people. So lots of forums and lots of people, you know, it's very, you know, hope and optimism and positivity. And that wasn't where I was. And quite a lot of us, the Uber Barons, we were just like, we were jaded, cynical bitches. You know, we were just, this is fucking shit. I mean, do you think not being positive prevented you from getting pregnant? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it was definitely, (laughs) it was definitely the negativity. Uh, It wasn't negative. I was just going, this is bullshit. Yeah. Um, And and so, you know, that wasn't where we were. And you, you, but you have to really go looking for it. Mm. And all the books... You know, there were loads of books that were around how to get pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, or here's what IVF is about. And, and you know, and there's a couple of memoirs, but, you know, pretty much all the books, with the exception of, you know, one or two, end with a miracle baby. Mm. And all of the articles, when you read in the newspapers, anytime anyone talks about my IVF struggle yeah. or, you know, yeah. miscarriage, it's always, da-da, here's yeah. the miracle baby. And so... And there were no, you know, there are are books about, you know, the different endings of a journey. So obviously there's loads about pregnancy and parenting. And there are there are quite a few books about involuntary childlessness. And obviously like Yvonne John, who you had on a previous episode, she's you know, she's written one. But there's nothing. They all assume you're you're at that point where you're going right. You know, when Mm. we're we are we are not going to have children. We are we are coming to terms with involuntary childlessness. But there was nothing in the middle for going actually, you know, not just at the beginning of going, what's IVF about? But actually the stories and understanding the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm, so yeah. everything that you're getting on forums and, and all the kind of online communities, you really had to go looking for. But what I wanted to read was something that was about real experiences and real yeah. people. And, and, you know, and I thought, well, that's the book I wanted to read. So I decided I was going to try and write one. And you've surveyed a lot of people. Yeah, so then the survey's still up. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to see, well, first of all, would anybody want to read a book that was around real real women, you know, real men's stories about yeah. the experience of what it's really like, the warts and alls, um, you know, how it feels, what does it, you know, what does it do for identity, your relationship, what's the weirdest thing you've done, what's the craziest thing you've done, yeah. what's the most insensitive thing people have said to you, what does, you know, what was all of the things to do with the emotional side of it. And would people share their ideas? Because I knew, obviously, in forums, in communities, people will pour their hearts out. Yeah. 
um, but would people want to? So I put um, put up a website and put up a survey um, to to ask these questions, and I was it was mental. Like the amount of responses I got, they started flooding in, and I had people contacting me, you know, with their stories. And people, one woman said, you know, I'll translate my diaries and. So I had like over 400 in a few months and it's still up. So anybody, and I, you know, the more the better. Where um, can they find that? Uh, at .club. Um It's anonymous. Um, so it's, you know, I won't know who it is. Um, the It's all done in sections. So you can save sections as it goes on. But um, what some people said they found helpful was to actually like type up the answers offline because then if like your browser crashes and yeah. uh, anything like that. Standard. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's, yeah, uberbarons.club um, cool. and it would be amazing. Um, and then that's for anybody wherever they are in their journey. Okay. So whether you're at the beginning of your journey, um, whether your journeys have been successful or not, um primary or secondary uh, it's for, when i say infertility i use that as kind of shorthand for anything of wanting to have a baby but not being able to so that includes pregnancy loss stillbirth any kind you know ectopic mm. miscarriage yeah um anything that's related to wanting to be able to have a baby and not being able to um and including whether people have been successful um because there's a section actually on pregnancy and parenting and the legacy that it has and the anxiety of what that's meant for, for uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm getting smiling from from Emma. So yeah, I would love to hear. And there's one for the guys as well. So, Excellent. Yeah. Um, please, 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 I would love uh, love to share you, for you to share your stories. Okay. Um. Before we let you go, mm-hmm. um, you wrote a very powerful piece about. I'm going to use the word miscarriage, but yeah. um, in the Guardian a few months ago now, um. And and talked about the language that we use around miscarriage. Yeah, so it was for Baby Loss Awareness Week and I pitched this article um, and I was shitting me because I didn't expect them to say yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to actually write this. <laughs> um, it was around the language of pregnancy loss um, because so much of it is... And actually, it's through infertility. It, it's really, it, you know, it really seems to attribute blame. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even the word miscarriage, it's like, like you've... Yeah. not looked after like you've dropped your baby or something um so Whoops. yeah so the surgery for having your miscarriage surgery is an erpc which is an evacuation of retained products of conception which is just disgusting products. yeah and it's it's and again it's one of those things that obviously you know when you think about it is technically it is a fetus and so you know if you're looking at you know, other things of personhood. It's it's not a baby. But when it's a wanted pregnancy, the language that the NHS uses from the moment that goes in, it's your baby. And so and then as soon as that pregnancy isn't viable, suddenly it's products of conception. You're like, that's my dead baby. Um and yeah, a blighted ovum, which is an uh, a type of miscarriage, um uh, incompetent cervix. <sighs> so much of the language is you know it's it's makes a really difficult time that much harder Mm -hmm. and the thing is it isn't you know it used to be that technically and it's still used a lot in the states that uh, a miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion so it's still often called uh, a missed abortion 
Um, uh, women with recurrent miscarriage were called habitual aborters. Wow. <laughs> That's awful. It's awful, isn't it? I've never heard that term no. before. Yeah, so there was like an article in like The Lancet um, many years ago that basically said, you know, I think we should I think we should maybe change the language. But in the States, it's still often. So I had a lot of responses from people saying, yeah, it was called a missed abortion or a spontaneous <sighs> abortion. Which is just so hurtful. Which yeah. Is really... <laughs> It's so just like, you sound like a terrible, not a terrible person. Yeah, but. and a habitual aborters. And it's, you know, it's awful. So, but they, you know, they don't use that anymore. They now, you know, refer to miscarriage. And actually it's used, you know, so the Miscarriage Association have done lots of work with the, like, the Royal College of Gynecologists mm. to actually come up with, you know, information leaflets where they don't even use the words ERPC. They say, you know, surgical management of a miscarriage. So, you know, it is possible. Yeah. Um. And, you know, we're not going to get it right, but unless we talk about this stuff and actually bring things up into the open. And it was amazing, you know, I got, and I put stuff on Instagram saying, you know, what was the worst language that you encountered and what did that mean? And so many people came through with, and, you know, when I had comments on, you know, on social media after the article came out, you know, everyone was just like, oh, thank God, finally someone's talking about this. And also, I thought it was just me. If things like amazeballs and clusterfuck can be added to the dictionary, why can't we change the language around this? Do you know what I mean? We're yeah. changing language all the time. Yeah. It's, it's not you know, that youth hard. Youthquake and... <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are... We have a lot of words at our disposal. And we'll talk about, you know, vajazzling and all sorts exactly. of things on, on social media, but we're not, you know, so... We need to we need to talk about it. And the other thing is about, you know, when we're talking about it is that it's a vicious cycle, right? Because people don't know how to support us and they say all of the infertility bingo stupid things. Mm. But unless we talk about it and tell them this isn't helpful, yeah. they don't know. Because as we know, unless you've been through it, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, the minute... Not even the minute you get a positive pregnancy test, but the minute... You're, you're doing an embryo transfer or you've got to the point where you can do an embryo transfer or the point where you're thinking about IVF or the point where you've missed your period by day or the point where you're testing after, like two days of, after ovulation because you've gone nuts after a year <laughs> and a half of trying. You, you have a life in mind. You have a human with a future and, you know, you, you want them to be an artist or you want them to be a whatever. Yeah, it's your hopes and dreams and, that you know, that's... That's that's a life in your mind mm. and you've you know, you're you're thinking ahead and you know, we'd seen you know, we'd seen a heartbeat and you know, and I can't even imagine you know, the people I know who've and the stories that have been shared of of late miscarriages mm. and stillbirths and you know, actually, it was funny because we went for the test where we discovered that we'd lost the baby was for the uh, panorama test, which is the non-invasive uh, prenatal testing. And they said, do you want to find out the sex? Because it's looking at the DNA. And we we went, oh, yeah, 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 we will. Now, in the end, we obviously didn't have the, the test because the baby had died. But one of the things that the genetic testing of the fetal remains, the products of conception, is that it because it looks to see the chromosomes, it'll tell you whether it was a 46 or a 44 mm. XX or XY. And so I said to the doctor, I said, I don't want to see the report because mm. we, I didn't want to know. I couldn't deal with knowing whether it was a son or a daughter mm. that we'd lost. Yeah. Um, everyone's different, but I just couldn't. No. I, and so, I, yeah, I don't... I'm, I often think about it going, I wonder if it was. Mm. But, yeah, but he, I don't. I, it's not going to... I don't think it's going to help. I don't think it's going to... No, it's not going to make it better. No, no. And building more of a narrative around it isn't, yeah, 
No, and everyone, but everyone deals with these things differently. And I guess the only other thing was that at least I knew, I know people again, back to how miscarriage and, you know, communications, that people didn't know that that information was going to be there. So they've kind of been ambushed when they've right. got their reports and they've gone, oh my God, it was it was a girl. Oh, or, gosh. oh my God, you know, it was a normal boy. And, and that's, it's, you know, to be ambushed that way, mm. it's just heartbreaking. Um, so yeah, the language and just communication generally, as we know. But yeah, yeah I think, I think first it's the more we can talk about it, and actually that we can, you know. So I guess it's kind of you know a mission that, you know, I'm writing about stuff, and you know, I really want to, you know, having it's not just about what not to say; it's about you know because I think we can all say what not to say. Yeah. It's what should people say what do we think is better Mm. what would help us and the thing is there isn't a right answer and there's never going to be a right answer for different people but unless we kind of rumble through this and actually you know we're going to get it wrong yeah um but i think it's only by having these conversations that we'll we'll find we'll we'll make it better yeah as as someone who's gone through two miscarriages or baby losses who's who's had two babies die um (laughs) What is your view of this kind of thing that we've built up of needing to stay quiet for the first 12 weeks? Oh, I think it's bullshit. Um, Well, I think it's needing to stay quiet is bullshit. I think choosing to stay quiet, Mm. if that's what works for you, Mm. absolutely. I I mean, I was very, very open about everything um, because I had to be, because I, um, I have chronic pain and I was off I had to be off all my pain meds and I was you know kind of laid up and generally mm. useless so I couldn't keep that a secret but for me it was well, why should I be secret because for me it was the idea I can't imagine going through that and nobody and trying to pretend that everything was okay yeah. when my entire world had fallen apart and the idea of saying oh you know don't say it in case anything goes wrong well it's not going to stop it happening and I'd rather it's nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, that was when I wanted the support. So being able to say, we've lost the baby, rather than saying, oh, I've had a miscarriage and you didn't even know I was pregnant. And uh, mm. But again, everyone is different. Um, but I think it's, if you choose to keep it, that's, 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 you know, you do what's right for you. But the idea that you should, that it's a rule, mm. it bollocks, bollocks to that. Were you quite glad of the support that you received afterwards? Oh, it was incredible. And 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 actually, and so much of it came from, you know, the other members of Uber Barons Club. So, you know, a woman who I met off Mumsnet sent me flowers to the wow. hospital, you know, and I had, you know, beautiful gifts and things. And I got a lovely memento from again someone from mum's net which i whenever we do there's a thing called the wave of light which is yeah. on uh, international pregnancy and baby loss awareness day where people light a candles and round at 7 p.m local time wherever you are people light the candles in in memory of their uh, pregnancy and baby infant and infant loss and so when i light these candles there's this beautiful little memento um that says there is no footprint so small that it does not leave an imprint on this world um and you know but it's these gifts from people that i don't know and you know family and friends but it's you know that's the silver lining that i take from a very dark cloud is all the the people that i've got to know and and you really do see the good in people and you are you know people you know women are strong and women are awesome and and you know so for me being able to be open about everything has been far more valuable than keeping quiet 
because I've, you know, you get get the support back. Um, so again, it's different for different people, but for me, it was invaluable. Yeah. So we've been talking now for an hour. <laughs> um, and, you know, I wanted to go into the kind of lining stuff because we've had quite a few questions from listeners. Um, but I will try and keep it very short. And I can always write um, up, um, if you get questions, I could yeah. write up a blog post. Perfect. I'm sure people will really like that. Yeah, yeah I'll but happily do just that. Just really quickly, your three top tips for getting lining nice and juicy from somebody who was really knows her shit. Yeah, so three top tips. One is um, if if you're doing uh, IVF, if you're doing fertility treatment and you're doing particularly a frozen transfer um, and you're not responding to pills, uh, ask for patches. And you can also do uh, put things up your vag. Um, and mm. if that's not working, you it's worth trying a natural cycle or an ovulation induction cycle. Now, most clinics won't even yeah, mention that mine. it's possible. <laughs> There's no reason be because essentially it's it's give a natural cycle that's souped up, yeah. just growing a couple yeah. of follicles. Yeah. So with some low dose stims or letrozole or yeah. you know that's really worth doing because often your body produces natural hormones that respond to better the other thing that's worth doing is um having the uterine blood flow looked at so when you have a scan um any ultrasound machine that's looking at doppler when they look at the blood flow to a baby uh, to a placenta yeah. can look at the blood flow to the endometrium um if that that will show whether or you know what the blood flow is like if the blood flow is poor then blood thinners or other treatment that can be used so that can be anything from aspirin or clexane to uh, viagra um Oy. or uh, there's a supplement called l-arginine um oh yeah which can be but again it's worth knowing if if the issue is blood um and the other thing i guess is just to say that um, i mean there's some other treatments and again i'll write them up on the blog um called neupogen uh, uterine wash which actually was was really effective and can be used as a rescue treatment all of the other stuff like lining friendly foods and heat on stuff pomegranate juice pomegranate juice beetroot <gasps> bullshit it doesn't make <laughs> any difference but what it can do is it can make you feel as though you're doing something proactive yeah. but it there is no evidence that any of it makes any difference so do it if you want to but don't feel that you have to if you hate beetroot if you hate beetroot hold your nose and lock it yeah, down for don't, the sake of don't it. feel you need to uh, we should say at this juncture just for legal reasons Katie does not necessarily have a medical qualification but does know more about this stuff than anyone I've ever met Katie does not have any medical qualifications with her extensive I've read some internet medical <laughs> training but <laughs> <laughs> can has offered me advice throughout my idea. For me, it's around asking the right questions for your yeah, clinic. Yeah. So it's not about saying this is right or this is wrong. Mm. It's about being able to be informed to be able to ask the right questions well, and also it. to be pushy. Yeah. To go, why can't we be do this? Pushy. We have, we say this so much, but yeah. be pushy and don't be afraid of yeah. being seen as pushy because yeah. the pushier you are, the more you'll get. Don't be a dick though. No, no. You can be pushy without being a dick. You can. Yeah. Right. Well, there we go. Just be a dick with a smile on your face. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Kitty, it has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, dudes. Yeah. Now it's time for IVF. What the F? What the actual F? I said that so fast. You did. I just felt like it all had to come out once. Well, we need to find a rhythm for that. Yeah. Um. So we're talking about HCG. Yes, we are. Shall I find out what it stands for? Oh, yeah, why not? Okay, go for it. 
Elevator music. Okay, got it. Human chorionic gonadotropin. Human chorionic gonadotropin. Wow. Glad we don't have to say that too often. Let's call it HCG, shall we? Yeah. Um, this is a hormone that is starts to increase once an embryo has implanted in your uterine lining. Therefore, it is a pregnancy hormone. Therefore, this is about pregnancy. Therefore, if you don't want to listen, please skip. But um, I think it's quite an important thing because mm-hmm. um, the point with HCG is that once you have a positive pregnancy test, in the early stages of pregnancy, doctors and nurses and other knowledgeable types... On the internet and the internet, say that its level should double every 48 hours. So when you see people talking about their beta, Mm. that is the level of HCG in their system. Do you know why it's called beta? No. Okay. Is that an American thing? Possibly. Okay. Yeah, they didn't call it when I had it tested. Now, some clinics test it, some clinics don't. A lot of clinics will just make you take a wee test, and that's it. Yeah. Um, my clinic doesn't test it unless you have random bleeding right at the beginning of your pregnancy, at which Ooh. point they'll have a look for ding, you. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Um, my HCG levels did not double every 48 hours. They almost doubled, but they did not double. One doctor told me that's fine, don't worry about it. One nurse told me that it was a failing pregnancy. I wanted to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Because also, it's not. I'm not the only person that this has happened to. I've had messages from so many people that this has happened to. Yeah. Um. So. Well, it's important yeah. to to find out what the actual truth is. Yeah. Exactly. This. And yeah, and like people, my um, my HCG level was on day twelve. So twelve days after transfer, it was two eight five. Mm-hmm. Which one nurse told me meant it was it was so low that it was a failing pregnancy, and a doctor told me it was absolutely fine to stop whining. Mm. So it's just it's one of those things that it's just so kind of some people think it's massively important, other people don't. Yeah. So I just wanted to put everyone's mind at ease if their HCG levels are low, or if they're not quite they're almost but not quite doubling. Yeah. It's like not a disaster. Okay. Well, um, we asked Professor Tim what he thought. Yeah, exactly. No, they don't need to double. I mean, certainly um, it varies between clinics um, what sort of testing is done. So in our clinic, for instance, in Oxford, we we actually, we've always done urine um, HCG testing. The modern urine HCG pregnancy kits are so sensitive, they pick up very low levels of HCG. But obviously many other clinics will also do a blood test, either just one test and then potentially another test a couple of days later. So we do... Um, talk about the HCG levels doubling every two to three days. Um, Ideally, it would be doubling every two days, but in early pregnancy, there can be a bit more leeway um, on that. So I think if someone has had um, an HCG blood test and then has another one 48 hours later and it's not exactly doubled, I, I wouldn't be overly worried about that. And it's just probably more of a biological variation when the levels are lower anyway. Thanks, Professor Tim. I'm sure that'll make a lot of people feel a lot better. Ta-da! Uh, Gabby's still in New York. I am. Mwahaha. Absolute bastard. 
I know, but I will be back next week. Yes, she will be back next week and she'll be really, I want to say hungover, that's not the word I'm looking for, jet lagged. Jet lagged, probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be dragging your sorry ass over here. Oh yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to it. At which point you can talk a bit about your experiences at the Thriver event. Yes, potentially. Yeah. People aren't sick of it by then. No one gets sick of that. No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and yeah, until then. Au revoir. Farewell. Au revoir. Cheers. What do they say in New York? Um, I'm walking here. See you later. See you later. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.